And uh, what we talked about last time was also you you always said make sure your properties are cash flowing. Always as you know, make sure you everything anything you buy has the cash flow. So. Welcome, everyone, to the most recent edition of Let's Be Frank About Real Estate Investing. I uh, have a wonderful guest today that um, I'm really excited to introduce you to. Um, This show is just going to be more of an update quickly on uh, market and inflation. Um, It's not going to be the realtors uh, versus wholesalers. That's yet to come. However, um, I I have a guest right now that, um, well, we met almost a year ago, spring last year, I think it was, or summer of last year at some point. Uh, EUL Zode uh, is somebody that um, uh, reached out to me after I had done a podcast. And um, at the time, he was in the process of buying his first investment property. And uh, he's a young go-getter, and he's just uh, one of the hardest working guys I know. And uh, and then he was kind enough to tell me that my website was completely dated and that uh, he could rebuild uh, a magnificent website for me. And uh, so, you know, we could trade uh, services uh, that uh, kind of our relationship blossomed and we're just about to launch the new website. So I'm really excited about that. And and um, but anyway, uh, E, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good, Frank. How are you? Yeah, it's good. I'm fantastic. I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, please introduce yourself and tell everybody about you because I think you are really, truly a great example of um, many of um, um, the younger millennials. What? You're not even a millennial, are you? You are. I am. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a Gen Z. I'm a Gen Z. See, yeah, I've got apparently. a Gen Z on the on my first Gen Z. <laughs> right? So, um, anyway, tell, let's let's hear about about yourself and what you're doing. Yeah. So, uh, my name is EOL. I uh, recently purchased my first investment property in London, Ontario. It was a duplex, and uh, right now I'm in the process of doing renovations on the on the property. And um, you've been advising me really what sort of uh, strategic renovations to do and um, to make sure that whatever you're doing is, is done correctly and it's, uh, you know, to, to, do, to do it right. That's, right. that's really the, the biggest takeaway I've, I've gotten from this. What's Def- the, define that, though, so people know what that means. So, um, and I've, I've met with a lot of different contractors. Um, while I was there, while I was getting quotes and different issues that I encountered, I kind of asked them, you know, what's the best way to address this? And um, I received a spectrum of responses. Um, some of them were, were kind of quick fixes, which I guess would work, but I, you know, they're not investors and I don't think they've held, um, you know, been in a property for, you know, 30 years, for example, because that's, that's, kind of the time span I want to hold it for. So that quick fix will probably address it. I will address the issue for maybe, you know, a year, maybe, you know, a couple of years, but um, the underlying issue will always be there. And then, you know, in, in the future, it'll probably be a, another headache. So right now, um, a lot of the things you advise me to do were to address all the major issues right now. So moving forward, you have a clean slate, you, you know, you have 
uh, a turnkey property that you don't have any doubts or any issues on. And um, so basically do it right. Yeah. So, I mean, we got involved together, right? Even before, even while you were doing the negotiations and or finalizing the deal. And um, so even if we want to just back up a little bit, first of all, um, you know, how old are you? I'm 24. 24. So lighting the world on fire and your background is like your professional uh, work background. Yeah, um, I'm an electronic engineering technologist um, by background. So um, I did attend Seneca College for three years for that program. It's called the Electronic Engineering Technologist Program. And uh, I have been working as uh, an account manager for um, a local uh, PCB manufacturing company for the last uh, three years. Good. Well, you're a hard worker, you're a grinder, Thank your you. um, mom and dad are, are professionals. And I. Uh, and and so when we got in together, um, you know, our our relationship started with regards to even while the paperwork was being done. And so there were a lot right. of things that you brought your offer with me uh, when we met first time, and then I reviewed it, and then I I noticed that there were some things that I thought were kind of critical that you needed to ask for. And so kind of let's go back to that, and then kind of what you discovered and how that went, and then the day you got the property, and then kind of how we've broken it down. To this date, because I think it's going to be fun. What's going to be interesting is that once you're done the project, um, I'm going to have you back on the show. And then we can talk about, you know, what was obviously done uh, up to to date and then where you took it to and how we uh, went about uh, finalizing it and making it exactly what you wanted. Because ideally, you kind of are doing what I advocate. If you buy a property, you're buying it for your lifetime for your retirement you're doing everything right you're not doing a quick burr and a f- like a flip um so you're doing it so that um you know if there's something that needs to be done you're doing it now and getting it addressed and fixing it properly yeah it costs a little bit more to do it do it right but in the end it costs you a lot less than having to go back and have major issues so why don't you talk about that a little bit yeah so in the beginning when we first reviewed the offer I think there was um, a small issue with the description of the property, how it was listed um, on the offer. Um, and um, you kind of brought that up as an issue. And uh, to, you, know, you advised me to you know, just check in with um, your lawyer and agent to make sure everything is okay. Um, there's a few bumps over there, but uh, um, all in all, it ended up being okay. We ended up uh, uh, finalizing that and uh, I did close on the property um, but it just kind of uh, shows um, you know a level of uh, detail that I guess some people may not uh, fully consider when writing offers or when reviewing them and um, I think you have so much experience that you've seen things fall through because of you know inadequate wording well, so, I mean, yeah. you had bought it. What you thought you bought was uh, yeah. a legal uh, duplex, right? Correct. And Correct. the uh, and that was based on information that was provided in the MLS listing. But when we looked at the offer, there was really nothing that was definitive with regards to that. And right. uh, and then I said uh, to. 
I said to you that you could come on closing day and then there could be all kinds of problems because uh, one, you think you're buying a legal duplex. We need to find out, first of all, if it is actually indeed a, a legal duplex. So we need to get, you know, a zoning confirmation, right? And right. a uh, what the legal use is and so on and so forth. So you scrambled and got your lawyer to uh, work it out. I think you were hoping it was a triplex and it came back as a uh, licensed um, out in London. Uh, a licensed uh, duplex, um, but but there was just some. You know, the I think the takeaway would be that you know you have to make sure your agreement is is an excellent agreement from beginning to end, and it saves you a lot of money and headache and grief. And it, thank goodness we did start getting involved early on because it would have been a bit of um, you know a, a problematic issue as closing neared right as we found out. Yeah, definitely. Um just the biggest takeaway I also got from that was address everything uh, related to your offer as early as possible and avoid having last minute uh, things, you know, last, address everything as early on. Don't wait to the last minute or when, you know, um, when, yeah, just don't wait until closing day really to address any of those issues. But right. yeah, big, it was a big uh, learning experience and uh, I kind of understood, um, you know, all the different uh I guess components that you really don't consider when on 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 closing besides um, just the simple you know description of the property. So I learned a lot there too. And um, yeah, moving forward, I have uh, have a lot of more skills and uh, experience that I can always review my offers more thoroughly. Well, I mean, you just, you had the assumption that your, um, your realtor, uh, you know, was doing everything that they should do. And in the end, it wasn't a hundred percent quite the case. And then you assumed your lawyer, um, who advertised as a investment expert, uh, knew what he was doing on the end. Right. And that's the way it should be. I mean, you hire professional representatives, but the reality is, is that, uh, you had to be, you know, uh, catch up with regards to the realtor and the lawyer. And even with regards to vacancy and possession and all these types of things that were going on and then getting a you know, getting inside to see uh, the condition of the property prior to closing, just a bunch of things. Um, you know, I mean, what you know today into what you knew now and compared, you know, months ago is night and day now, isn't it? Right. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For and sure. Uh, so then you, you come closing day and you arrive. Yeah. Uh, closing came. Um, Bacon possession uh, was supposed to be given on the main floor, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It and what was, happened? Uh, yeah, so the they, they tenant wasn't able to move, so they asked for an extension for an extra month. Um, I I know you advised me that my uh, other realtor also advised that I should I have the option to wait and you know to push closing back an extra month. Um, but uh, I kind of uh, was the I wanted to gain possession very quickly, right. so that's probably one. <laughs> mistake uh, that I learned from as um, always if you're if it's agreed that you're going to have vacant possession make sure that you have vacant possession um, and uh, yeah and uh, you're, inher- you're inheriting uh, the tenants so so when the tenants knock on then that tenant now becomes uh, your liability and then exactly. when you decided to do that then I explained to you that you need to get some legal documents signed 
um, so that they're legally obligated to be out by a specific day. Um, right. But just tell us what happened with regards to that and what happened when they did finally leave. Yeah, so um, we did get the documents signed. I believe it was an N11. Mm-hmm. And um, once they did leave, they left the whole house uh, with all their garbage. Right. Um, the entire main floor and the basement had a lot, I, it was full of garbage. They barely took anything out. Right. I had their phone numbers at that point. I did call them. Um, they did pick up once, and then uh, well, they, they don't really fully speak English, you know, fluently speak English. Right. So they just said, you know, clean, clean. We will clean so, something like that. And then they hanged up. And then it wasn't clear. I called back, and then it just kept going to voicemail. I called back from different numbers. They just never picked up. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, while well, I was uh, left to clean the house, uh, and uh, that's what I did. Well, I hired people to help me with that. But yeah, that's uh, that's what happened. Another lesson. Another lesson learned. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I <laughs> yeah, mean, definitely. Listen, sometimes you have to, the only way to learn, and the, the lessons that um, we learn the quickest are the ones that really sometimes cost us some money um, by making uh, a mistake. So, you know, your realtor advised, I advise that you uh, put off the closing, you, you're all guns a blazing and you wanted to get in. And then when you got in um, and then you weren't, you didn't do a final inspection Again, um, because now they're your they're your tenants, and you became the landlord. So you you know you, you so anyway it ended up that you had you know tons and tons of garbage that ha- had to get removed. So once we cleared all of that out um, and started getting an idea of what uh, was available, uh, because it's a big big house, um, then you know I made some recommendations that you really need to look at it with a new set of eyes and then uh, break it down and see what needs to be done and how to go about doing it so that you could not only um, in this case separate your utilities and do these types of things but also add tremendous value to the house um, while you're doing this work so what did you do yeah absolutely so um one of the so yeah we'll talk about the utilities first so um few of the take points we said to always split the hydro um split the gas as well uh, and um, you also advise to have two separate uh, hot water heaters, one for each unit, um, and uh, I will only be paying the water for the for the house. So that will um, greatly reduce my um, expenses on the unit and also make people responsible for um, their own gas and electric usage, which, again, if you're paying for it, you'll be more mindful. Um, so that's what we did. Um, and then there's a time that we also went on, on on FaceTime, and then I showed you around the house, both the interior and the exterior, and you kind of, you, you know, even though the camera wasn't, you know, the best, uh, and then it wasn't the best quality, but you're able to pick up on a very, uh, a few things that were very, that, that even though I was in the room, I wouldn't have noticed. For example, in one of the rooms, just by looking at the small kind of uh, the fact that the, the wall wasn't smooth, you knew that it was a plaster wall and there was no drywall there. And that kind of, uh, you know, led to understanding why um, there is possible moisture below the windows and stuff like that. So 
um, yeah, I, I showed you a tour around the house and you uh, told me a few things that, that I needed was this uh, wall and the other one was uh, the brickwork on the exterior. It needed to be repointed and um, yeah, I believe those are a few of the things. Everything else was uh, mainly uh, cosmetic from what I can remember. And um, oh, and in the basement, you uh, also suggested that I, I got the entire basement and, and uh, make sure that all the ceiling of the basement is completely exposed so you can see if there's any sort of structural issues. And at that point, you'll be able to determine if this is a project at this point in my investment you know, career, if I would be able to take this on or if I would have to explore other options. Right. Well, I mean, we definitely, you knew there were some significant water issues in the basement. So this is one of the areas why I recommended that we need to open it up. Um, right. I didn't want to leave anything to assumption. And we need to determine whether this property, although it was a great deal, was it going to be too big of an undertaking, huge building, uh, for you to do as your first project? Because um, I know exactly how much, you know, kind of pretty much how much things are going to cost and yeah. where it can lead to. So, um, but you followed all my recommendations and made a lot of discoveries, including knob and tube that you didn't know about, right? Yep. Yep. There was knob and tube in the main floor and uh, in the second floor as well. So um, I've addressed the knob and tube in the main floor now. And um, next is to address knob and tube in the upstairs unit. Right. And, and so, you know, and, and th that discovery came through actually opening up the basement and really starting to uh, dig in, right, correctly. And yes. so, you know, and we also uh, figured out where there were some discoveries of some windows that you didn't even know existed and that were yeah. all, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So in the basement, there was a, was a kind of like a, another unit that the previous owners might have used. Um, and all the wind that had a window and that window is completely blocked up from the exterior and uh, it was also hidden from the interior but um, from gutting the whole place we found the window right which was uh, one of the sources of the water correct and cold air and cold air yeah, uh, yeah. the water was the window on the and another room in the basement okay not not the specific one we found, but yeah it, it, it was bringing in a lot of cold air and the reason I suggested separating the utilities and having that opportunity was you could have, you know, a house meter and then two additional meters. And then this was a unique situation where you had actually uh, wall mounted gas operated um, furnaces on the second and third floor. And then you had a standard uh, furnace on the main floor. So I said, you know, look, this is a fantastic opportunity for you to also apply and get your uh, gas separated because you've got the distinct option now to even be able to um, have it so that your hydro and your gas are separated and let's take advantage of it. And you did that. You applied and you got your application. And so you're getting three meters installed on the house and you're getting uh, two gas lines, two separate meters on the house, correct? Co correct. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Yeah. Which is going to add uh, that just automatically adds a lot of value to uh, properties because even comparables don't compare because very few are completely separated to that extent. Right. Right. Yeah. And then I also recommended that when you do the plumbing and because the basement's open, um, that you're then able to identify um, what lines are feeding the upper unit and then separate any shared lines from each unit. So that way you can't, 
you're not going to have, um, let's say, the water pressure change in, in one unit while the other one's. It just makes things more operationally flow. Um, and then I had also recommended that if you have, a, you know, you get a chance that you may want to uh, consider getting a new water line brought in from the city because it's a small water line, if I, I remember correctly, right? Yeah, that is right. I did contact the city um, that uh, you know, they advised that they were going to call back. They have not. So uh, now it's my next job is to follow up with them um, and, and check in. But um, I've kind of been focused on all the other stuff right now. I kind of put this part on hold just for now. But definitely, that, that was one of your suggestions. Good. And so you're in the process uh, right now. You've got the uh, main unit um uh, well, got it. The basement's done, and then the main unit. Now you've uh, really redone uh, the main floor bathroom, and uh, started making some substantial changes. And you're also fully aware of, uh, you know, starting to familiarize and yourself with fire code. Okay. Um, you know, even when it comes to repointing the building, you understand that there's a huge difference between getting a building repointed. And then getting it repointed professionally, because once you get the, you know, if you get it done incorrectly, we've reviewed all of that, then, you know, yeah. the the in, entire exterior can look like a shit show pretty quick. And then once that's done with masonry and repointing, then there's, you know, there's not a lot you can do. And that's why you start seeing buildings that are painted and things like that. It's not stuff you want to get into. So it's better to pay a little extra and get an, an expert, uh, someone in, because you're, your whole building needs to be repointed, right? I mean, it's just basically so what people, uh, older homes, 1920s, early 1900s, they sometimes the mortar shrinks way back. And in this case, it came back so far that it certainly left an area for water penetration. And then we found that there were some areas in the house that water was getting in via the brickwork, right? So um, once you do that again, you've got a great opportunity uh, to uh, increase the value of the home because that is a significant uh, change and so on and so forth. And so, and then you're in the process of the upper uh, tenant uh, leaving uh, at some point, and then you're going to completely, you not rewire it, but wire it properly so everything's separated and then you have a house meter. And then you're also going to uh, build in some smart home technologies too, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, the upstairs tenant is expected possibly to leave by uh, beginning of March. Um, I'm kind of helping them look for another place to move to right now. And um, yeah, that's been going well so far. So we're still, um, we haven't found a, uh, one place yet, but we're still looking. Right. Um, and once they have uh, left, uh, the plan is to remove the knob and tube that's up there. Um, add some in-suite laundry, and then um, also, um, um, yeah, clean up the place. Um, make you know, paint it. That's another another thing that we talked about. Selecting the correct paint color, and uh, we're we're gonna go with white. <laughs> we're gonna go with white. Um, white on white on uh, white, right? White on white on white. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's what. And, we're gonna and why go did with. we do that? What was the what's the philosophy on that? Yeah, so if uh, anybody's bringing in their furniture, white goes with anything. So it's you don't you know you don't really have to think twice. It goes with any, it goes well with any any sort of color furniture you have. 
And it's easy to maintain and roll out quickly. Uh, if right. a tenant uh, moves out, it's going to be uh, twice as fast for you to be able to touch everything up and make the place look like new rather than have mixed colors that um, sometimes the edging and just takes time. Um, so it cuts down on time yeah. dramatically and uh, makes yeah. it very easy. Um, but, uh, you know, what you know today compared to just months ago, it's night and day, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a big, big, big difference. A right. lot. A big, yeah. Um, one thing I also wanted to add is the house had a cast iron stack. So that's part of the um, advice you suggested was to replace it now and uh, not wait. And in the process of replacing it, we actually found the bathtub on the main level didn't drain properly because where the 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 connection where the tub was draining to had a had a bunch of all kinds of fun stuff in it right. and it wasn't draining so we kind of uh, you know addressed uh, that uh, potential issue later down the road now good because if i if i had a new tub in there and everything was done and that new tub wasn't draining properly and i had to gut the whole uh, you know washroom and the basement again that was that would have been a big headache right and uh, you're a real doer. You're a goer. You're you. You've got your job. You've got a you've got a fob business uh, where you actually, if anyone is looking to get uh, key fobs, uh, he's your man. If you want to get uh, reprogrammed uh, key fobs or anything like that, he has that. He has a bunch of different things uh, on the go on top of rebuilding this property uh, out in London, and then. And then you've been biting at the chomp to get into other investments and, and, um, and very recently. And then my advice was just to sit on the sideline just for a little bit right now because of what was going on and, and is going on in Europe. And um, so when you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, this was in the last few weeks. I kind of was looking at other properties to, um, you know, a few other markets to see if I could uh, purchase in those markets. And uh, your advice was to kind of just hold off just for a bit. And uh, that's because of everything that's going on in the world right now. I think you and Jared did an amazing job in the previous episode, kind of going over um, what's going on. And uh, yeah, so I actually had a few uh, questions um, about that. My, my first question is, um, how, uh, how would you think that what's going on over there would spill over into the market here. Because that was kind of my main questions, I was, which I was really trying to wrap my head around, was just understand how much correlation there is between mm -hmm. what happens um, elsewhere, elsewhere and how that would directly, or maybe the spillover effect, affect real estate prices. Okay, it's a great question. And, um, and I'm glad that you're asking it because it's, um, you know, it's interesting, it, you know, you can say things, but sometimes there's certain items that need more explanation. And so right now uh, we're at uh, February the 16th, 15th uh, was the day that uh, supposedly uh, Russia has stated that they're going to start pulling back some of their uh, soldiers. I think they have 135, 140 thousands soldiers uh, surrounding Ukraine and uh, have taken up positions uh, by uh, any intelligence standards from any military around the world uh, would indicate that they are about to attack. So this wasn't something that, uh, 
you know, people were just um, kind of, let's say, exaggerating. However, um, the ramifications of doing such a thing um, are very profound and for a myriad of reasons. And then you're getting into the history of um, Russia and Ukraine. And so, you know, the two main cities in the USSR were Moscow and Kiev. Um, uh, Ukraine has always been an integral part of, um, of, of the USSR, of, I guess, uh, the Russian heritage. I mean, they have a population, I think, of Ukraine is uh, 14% Russian and 40% of the population, their first language is uh, Russian and or uh, have some form of Russian heritage. So, you know, the two, the two countries are very much uh, a part of each other. And uh, when Russia went in and took over uh, Crimea, um, that necessarily uh, didn't cause the urgency and the concern to the extent that this recent event is causing, because in Crimea was where Russia's Pearl Harbor, uh, all of, a, a huge majority, one of their biggest um, uh, naval fleets was located there. And so, you know, can you imagine if Hawaii wanted to separate from the United States and Pearl Harbor is located there? I, I don't think the, I don't think the United States is going to take that lightly. And so, so I think that although, you know, it was a, um, you know, and the majority also of Crimea's population actually was Russian descent. And or that's an area where a lot of Russians retired to and so on and so forth. So that area had a lot of, of Russians in the population. So um, th although it was something that was condemned and uh, frowned upon, there was within international standards an understanding as to why they uh, went down that road. Um, but however, the situation is, is just this. And it's not so much the worry or the fear uh, that a second, a third world war could occur. Uh, it's the fact that actually the opposite, um, if they were to invade, first of all, it's not going to be something that's going to be looked upon highly or positively from the Russian population because a lot of Russians have relatives and or their moms or grandparents came from Ukraine, right? So it would be like us trying to invade, um, you know, uh, you know, one of our, our company provinces, like it just, just doesn't make sense. But anyway... Um, but there are people that there is a population base within Ukraine um, that would be prefer to be under the control of Russia. Um, but it's basically the economic, um, the only thing that really uh, the European Union and United States and, and the international community can do is they can take away uh, Russia's uh, SWIFT code, which is their international banking number that allows transactions to uh, come in and out of the country. Canada has a SWIFT code. Every country has one. The only countries that uh, don't right now, um, and again, there might be some others, um, you know, there could be some that I'm not aware of, but the ones I know for sure are right now uh, Iran and North Korea. Uh, Libya may be in the same situation. I don't know. But um, to have your SWIFT code removed has a major economic impact. And so then people think, well, you know, why... How is Russia's economy going to affect all the rest of us? And the reality is, is that it's it's the economies of Europe. And the reason that uh, Germany is so against this action being taken is that the one economy that's doing really, really well in Europe is the German economy. They are a manufacturing 
behemoth. And so much of their natural resources um, come from Russia, right? They get not, right. we're not, it's not just gas, even though there's, uh, you know, it, their, their main gas line is one of the main supplies to Europe. Uh, all of their resources, mineral, Canada is a great example. So people look at the United States economy and they think that, you know, obviously the United States economy is the biggest in the world. However, the minute that you cut off our natural resources, and we've just experienced this right now with the truckers uh, strike and blockade, um, all of a sudden, uh, the American economy isn't what the American economy was without it, meaning that if you took away all the resources that we supply the United States, the United States would not be as competitive globally as they are. Canada plays a major, major part in the success of the United States, and then hence that also helps Canada succeed. But we're actually have more power. You know, sometimes I always wonder why we don't have more say in what goes on, because you know, what we provide other countries and uh, the United States, I think, gives us more clout than what any of our governments have ever taken advantage of, which is a mistake. But getting back to Russia. So if if the SWIFT code is taken away, that prevents Russia from making payments and or receiving payments for product. Um, right. They've also stated that they were going to shut down many of the, well, uh, well the ability for um, Russia's big banks to be able to uh, trade funds. Um, the alternative is obviously through China, but that takes time, right? It's all about time taking. And then uh, what would that do or what would that action do to the markets? And so that's where the the markets is really where um, price of fuel, um, you know, again, Russia is kind of like Canada. They're just, they're so wealth. Uh, the, the, the country has got all resources. That's just insane. It's just like Canada. Um, and so they supply many, many countries uh, with their resources. And so you cut that off, that's a problem. And that problem ripples into the European economy is not doing well. Like it, like we live in a bubble in North America. Um, my son's going to school right now in England. And he, when I, when I get a ch chance to talk to him, you know, he was just recently in Spain and, and in um, Italy and France and, um, um, anyway, he just said that it's just not, it, the economies are not doing well here at all. And um, so we live in a bubble. Um, what we are experiencing with booms and economic growth and real estate going through the roof, that's not something that's happening uh, on a global level, um, but mainly in Europe. So that issue with Russia could be just enough to really send the uh, European economy into chaos, which then by its very nature sends our economies into chaos. And so that's the fear, right? That, so what, the reason I asked for you to sit on the sideline just for a little bit, I think I said that to you, right? We're going to know, yeah. Yeah. we're going to know in, it's not going to be weeks, but it's going to be, you know, we'll know in three or four months. I just said, what's three or four months to sit on the sideline, right? Because there could be opportunities that to be had um, three or four months from now if the market does turn. Um, and then if you were to buy something today, it may not be closing until later. And if, you know, and we don't know yet, hopefully they're going to pull back, which really is kind of a brilliant move by Putin when you put it. Like you put your armed forces, you surround a country and certainly make it uh, look like uh, you're going to invade. And that certainly gets the attention of the world and then um, gets everybody to the negotiation table. And perhaps you get what you, you want without firing a bullet. 
that would be described as being brilliant, right? So I'm hoping um, that that will be the case, but there's no way to know until, you know, until we see all of those masses of military equipment, especially the missile systems that they've recently moved into Belarus, get all removed and pulled back. Um, so there's a little bit of time to sit with, let's hope and pray that that's the case. Um, but the other issue that we've got going on is also, um, we've got inflation, like the United States just announced a few days ago, uh, that, uh, they're now at seven and a half. And, um, and so what the show that I did with Jared was great because we really dug into kind of the history of how economics, you know, how the whole system of inflation is measured and um, really how that's decided and, and what's done. And so, you know, you've got your CPU and then you've got what they call a basket of goods and that basket of goods. Um, I'm going to leave some links, by the way, to a lot of this. So it's not what Frank says. It's not what Jared says. We're just kind of digging in and kind of making observations and then what we'd like to do is to have people dig in for themselves to see you know if what we're providing actually is true and real so i'm gonna put a bunch of links to a lot of the you know right now the bank of canada just changed their policy on how they're going to um uh, report on inflation which was to be expected um and what happens is that they have um goods all different kinds of goods and services and then they use those as a measurement gauge uh, to see if that has changed dramatically from one year to the next but what we found was that certain items that were really going through the roof they just removed them and so you know so so i mean we're being told supposedly the canadian inflation rate is four percent but you know, when you look at everything, it it really feels like 15, 16 percent uh, or more. Um, and the reality is, is that that's not just, you know, something that you have in your mind. It, it's actually more real than we're aware. However, if the government sets the rules and this is the rule in the policy, then the economists have to follow those rules. And that's the guideline. And then that's what's taught in school. And And so nobody's it's not a conspiracy or anything like that it's the fact that we just live in an environment now that we have to understand that the rules can be changed anytime and and then it you know to suit sometimes mismanagement or um you know the inability to really be able to for every action there's a reaction right so if they make a you know with this whole covid uh, they've been printing money that they don't have and they have most you know, what kills me is that they have done everything to support big business. So big business is all of the suppliers and corporations that need their goods coming across that international border. Uh, big business is your big box stores and all your retail stores that sell that product. It's been all the little businesses that have literally, without really any great concern, um, that have been crushed through this whole COVID situation. And then, boy, oh boy, the minute that you threaten, um, you know, big industry, now, first time in ever, um, the emergencies, Canadian Emergencies Act has been declared, which, you know, is actually frightening, to be honest with you. Um, so, I don't know. I just, we're living at a time right now where there's just a bunch of little things. I'm hoping that they follow through with the COVID uh, vaccine passports being removed 
and uh, we start realizing that COVID's here to stay and that we just got to ride it through like we do N1H1 or any other viruses uh, that we've learned uh, and uh, have also built herd immunity too. And so every time it runs through population, it becomes less dangerous. I think the last variant is nowhere near as dangerous as um, the ones previous, but it was more, um, you know, it, it spread more, right? So it was more right. contagious, less dangerous. Um, so um, we need to learn to start moving on uh, upward and onward. But my advice uh, is going to be still stay sound. I wanted you to focus on the house, right? Get it done. I wanted you, we got some lights going on in the background here. Um, we, we want to have it so that you get this project done. Right. And then we'll find out in the next few months what's going to happen uh, with Russia. I think it's just smart to be a little bit more conservative than not. And then just right now, just at this moment. And then if that doesn't happen, then, you know, the way it's going right now, it's game on still. Um, the balloon just keeps blowing up bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you buy a property the way you have and what we've talked about, and that's always, no matter what it is, it's going to be for the long run and the numbers work, right? Yep. Then um, it doesn't matter what happens with the market. You're going to be okay, right? Because you're doing it right. You've not only, uh, you know, you're going about rebuilding this property uh, properly and you're going to make it into a smart uh, home. And that gives you the opportunity while you're living in Toronto to make some, you know, be able to uh, see what's happening kind of uh, on site at the house and so on and so forth. But you even have even know what your market's going to be, your tenant profile. You've decided what you want. Um, you know, you've really I think you've done a wonderful job at planning. Um, and, uh, I've always, I mean, you and I joke on the phone, but the reality is, is that, you know, I, not only do I think you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 30, you're going to have a million in the bank, not, uh, a million on paper, but, um, I, I'm very proud of you and proud of all that you, you've been doing. You, you have a work ethic that, uh, blows my mind and, uh, you've impressed me so much. Um, that I, you know, obviously we, we've been working together and I'm thrilled with everything that we've been doing and hope that you are too. Um, but I also wanted to share your story um, because you had some great questions with regards to the last podcast. Do you have any other questions uh, with regards to that or did I just ramble on too long? No, I think, no, that was good. Uh, one thing that kind of um, I had to wrap my head around was the advice that you were suggesting was it's not the most optimal time to buy real estate. That's kind of uh, another um, takeaway I had from our conversations because, um, um, for for example, right now, if, let's say, in if the market does correct, or not correct, but if it does decrease in three to four months' time because of, the, of all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, like that may not be the most, like right now may not be the best time to buy it because you still have uh, that potential for uh, the, uh, you know, for prices to go down. So um, I, th I think if your advice is very solid. And just because that potential still exists, it's, it's better to hold off just a bit, as you said. And once this issue has been cleared and, and you can, you know, shift the focus back to buying. But the, um, yeah, um, I think you've covered a lot of the questions I had and your um, few things that you said. 
But one thing that I still would like to know is if, for example, you would be, if you, when, when, okay, a better question is when would you say, based on the current environment, when would you say would be an optimal time? Because another thing we discussed was how um, even though everybody's getting stress tests at 5.25% in about, you know, maybe three, five years, when, the, when all the current mortgages are due and all the fixed rate, uh, fixed rate uh, mortgages are due and everybody needs to renew, um, what do you think, you're, what would you be, what would, what's your take on that? What, would you say at that point, what do you expect really is my question. What do you expect at that point in time when all these three, to five, three and five year um, fixed rate mortgages are due? Okay. Where do you see the market going? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so uh, going back to what you just said, so it, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. So if Russia had invaded, does invade, that's a right. serious game changer that's going to have, you know, no one can tell what the impact will be. Um, but, um, you know, from history, uh, it could be uh, seismic and that could be a, an event that causes um, major market adjustments. But that hasn't happened. But it could happen. So we got to wait and see what happens with that. The other question, though, uh, which is a brilliant question to be asking, and one that um, many economists are asking, is the fact that inflation is out of control. Everybody knows it. We know uh, that interest rates do have to go up. And what we do know is that prior to COVID, which was um, um, basically in you know the latter part of 2019 and 2020, in 2019, 2018, the market was exploding, right? And so uh, it was already deemed to be a huge bubble and people were worried that COVID was going to be the, the, the event that was going to explode that bubble, if you recall. Right. So the right. market was crazy in 2018, 2019, and then no one expected. There was a lull in 2020. And then all of a sudden, a complete explosion in the market uh, entirely uh, after COVID and since. Well, here's the thing. The bank's Primary, when you're a bank manager, you're trained to try and get a five-year locked-in mortgage. And that's their number one priority is to lock in five-year terms. And so, so now we know, anyone who's doing the math knows that there were a considerable amount of five-year term money that was locked in 2018 uh, and 19, right? So let's just you know, do the math. That means those mortgages um, will begin start coming due in 2023, 2024, 2025, right? And so the economists, uh, you know, and if rates do go up and like when we say up one or 2%, you know, um, it's not high in the grand scheme of things. I mean, the medium average mortgage rate over the last 50 years is I think 72 I'll look it up and I'll, I'll leave the link. Um, but, you know, if a rate goes up two or 3%, you know, over the next year or two, and then all those mortgages are coming up for renewal, well, that, that would be doubling, more than doubling their mortgage rate. That could be the difference. So that action 
could be in itself an event that it causes, kind of like the 2008 market adjustment, not to that extent, but kind of. The reason why that unfolded to the extent that it did was that they had all of these mortgage uh, uh, rates that basically came due in the 2008 timeframe in which interest rates doubled and tripled. Um, and, and, and so then hence people couldn't afford their homes and the renewal of their mortgage. And then there was a major, major adjustment. So there's some things floating in the background, but you know, if you're in the game short term and you're going to be in and out, in and out, in and out, or if you have a mortgage, which I always recommend is variable, just always keep your mortgage variable. Um, and they know that, you know, over history, the best mortgage rates actually, um, have always been variable mortgages. Um, and then that way it allows you to get out if you need to, but I mean, you know, it's just, if you're in short, that's great. Be aware of what's going on. And then if you're in the game for long-term, then that's great, but do it for long-term do it so that you've got something that if something does happen, the market turns, you're able to be able to ride it through not panic, not worry, because whatever, what all you know, what what goes up comes down, and then what goes down always comes back up, right? So, um, you know, and then it causes you to not have that type of stress uh, in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. That, does that answer the question that you were yeah. asking? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And uh, what we talked about last time was also you. You always said make sure your properties are cash flowing, always as you know make sure you everything anything you buy has the cash flow so that's um kind of the other thing you suggested as well cash flow in and when you're buying something make sure you look at hard copies of your expenses and that you're actually seeing what the people actually were paying right we've gone through this with yourself right right? all of a sudden you're getting some big bills that you weren't prepared for and uh, <laughs> so it was like, right? So, I mean, really, um, I don't understand the concept of selling an investment property to a client and not finding out what the utilities and all the expenses were associated for the last couple of years on a property. It's not a lot to ask. and um, But the problem is agents aren't asking for it. Wholesalers aren't giving it. Um, and so, you know, you've got a lot of people that get into a deal and then all of a sudden, boom, um, the cash flow that they thought they were going to have or what was reported, um, really ends up not being the case. So, um, proper due diligence and how to structure yourself to do that is critical. And when they don't give you the answers, like you called me about a property that was a fiveplex, right? And what did I tell you to do immediately before you even started digging in any further onto that property? Yeah, you said to get the zoning confirmation because it was uh, it was a non-conforming uh, fireplace. But you said to always get it in writing that it is an actual, like the the, the use it permitted is a five a, um, a five unit use to be used as a five unit residential. Right. So you came to me and said, "Oh my gosh, there's this great deal. It's a five unit, it's a legal not a five unit in X, Y, Z, this location." And I said, "Okay." So, and and they're they're advertising that on their MLS documentation. I said, "Great." I said, and then you were kind of really, "Oh, I'm, you know, what can I do?" Blah blah blah. And I said, "Well, first of all, the first question you want to do is ask the realtor to provide you with a copy of the zoning verification to prove that it's a legal five unit, legal nonconforming, uh, legal." Um, and, uh, you know, if they, uh, if they can advertise it as such, they must have proof of such. And that should not be a, a hard ask before you begin to dig any further and 
you know, it was um, silence of the lambs when you made that request, right? Yeah, it was. Um, and uh, I, I think they just wanted to sell very quickly. Sure. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so they ended up selling a few days after. Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah. I mean, it lists, stuff sells. It's just um, my job is to make sure that uh, my clients are buying exactly what they think they're getting and then uh, don't get themselves with a situation where, um, you know, they're in a loss a, you know, a loss and or just right. barely getting by. Uh, oh, there's the light again. So um, anyway, um, does that, is that kind of make sense? Does, uh, you know, yeah. So, so Russia is one thing, that's a different thing. And then the interest rate starting to come due and with inflation going on the way it is and, and they've got to address it. They can't keep letting it go the way it is. Um, but they are changing the rules so that they can kind of get away with it. And then we start becoming, you know, accustomed. So I'm also going to po post a link, a real cool link that kind of gives you global inflation rates around the world. And you'd be shocked to see what the, uh, you know, the inflation rates are right now uh, globally. So I'm going right. to, on this show, I'm going to, on a bunch of links, I'm going to give some interesting um uh, links so that you can check it out, take a look for yourself and do your own uh, looking. And I'm not suggesting people sit on the sideline. There's always money to be made. There's always um, opportunities to be had. I just, um, when you're just beginning and when you're really starting to get your life in order and at your age, you're starting to kick ass. You don't want to make a boo-boo at this point that can cost you, you know, to have a wonderful future, right? Like just, just by holding back or waiting a little bit, um, it's not going to hurt anything. Nothing's going to happen or shattering. And it gives you the opportunity to focus on the property right now in London. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, definitely. Um, that's just, was uh, got into a, a bit of a buyer frenzy, so I wanted to buy, buy, oh, buy. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. But that's yeah, okay. but, for sure, um, as you said, focusing on this will be the main objective. And always keep your eye out for what's going on in other parts of the world and understand yeah. um, just the more that we speak, I kind of understand um, how everything is more connected. I, because as far as I've been interested or paid attention to real estate, it's only gone up, right? So for me to uh, imagine a scenario where prices do come down significantly or have the potential to, that's something worth listening to and worth paying attention to. It's just being Perfect. eyes wide open. You know, it's yep. just always running a business. Every business always looks at current conditions what and forecasts for the future. And that's just proper, you know, business uh, acumen uh, 101, right? So right. you always have to look for uh, every situation. Can't just stay hyper-focused. And you got to know that we don't live in a bubble. Uh, you know, situations in other parts of the world can have an effect on us. And that's uh, basically yep. it. Anyway, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed uh, doing the show with you. Any uh, last words or anything that you'd like to uh, sign off with? Uh, no, I think uh, that was good. I okay. think uh, that was perfect. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm happy. And, and thank you for having me as well. I appreciate thank it. Well, you're very welcome. Uh, you're a rock star in my mind, totally. And uh, I appreciate all that you do and uh, have really enjoyed uh, our working relationship and our friendship. So thank, thank you, you everyone. Thank, thank you, buddy. Thank you uh, for being on the show and uh, have yourself a wonderful day. Okay. Later. Hey, buddy. Perfect.
Bye, man.